Hello everyone, The Vern here from Cinema Recall here to tell you about Newsly. Newsly is an all-in-one audio app for your iOS and Android phone. It picks up the most trended articles on the web and reads them to you in a natural human voice. For the first time ever, the entire web becomes listenable. Stop scrolling, start listening, go to newsly.me, use the promo code RECALL, and get one month free of their premium service. Check it out, and now, back to the show. Hello again, gang. It's me, The Vern, here from Cinema Recall Podcast. I'm recording this small little introduction on my phone, thanks to Anchor. Alright, so this episode has guest Pete from the Middle Class Film Class, and he was very grateful to stop into our studio to record an episode on David Cronenberg's Cosmopolis. Now, I know I posted up on the social media pages and whatnot that I will be releasing the full episode that we did on Videodrome with guest Daniel Lackey, and look, yes, that is coming. That is coming, I promise you. It's just not coming today, like I probably thought it would be. I just did not have time to put that episode together with the ad spots and whatnot and all that to deal with there. So I apologize immensely about that. That episode will be coming shortly. Uh, I do know fans of uh, Tales from the Double R. There is a new episode out on rabbitholepodcast.com. Me and Ryan Luis Rodriguez recorded our final episode of the first season of Twin Peaks. So definitely check that shit out. It's really, really cool. Uh, But yeah, but anyways, enjoy this episode that I recorded with Pete from the Middle Class Film Class talking about Cosmopolis. It's the full episode. Uh, it was originally on our Patreon page. Uh, it did patreon.com slash pod. But now, it's here for you. Uh, if you like it, please leave us ratings and reviews on your favorite podcaster app. Really help us out. Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Good Pods, Rayless to Podcasts. Really appreciate that. Pre- uh, appreciate that. Share it everywhere on uh, Twitter and on Facebook. Instagram, wherever you're, Macedon, I don't care, wherever you find this episode, please start. Uh, that's it right now. I gotta go, and I will see you all very soon. Let's get our sponsorships out of the way, and then we'll get on to the episode. Love you all dearly. Goodbye. It's the Vern again. So one thing I hate the most about watching movies is when I go to watch a movie or show on my favorite streaming site and seeing that the movie or show I want is only available in another country. What do you do? Well, I'll tell you what you do right now. You go to ExpressVPN, expressvpn.com slash pod and get three months free of their services. Uh, ExpressVPN will give you access to view other movies and shows from other countries. So find out what Netflix is like in the UK. Find out what Hulu is like in the Netherlands. Again, expressvpn.com slash pod and get three months free of the services. I hope you enjoy and happy movie watching, everyone. Good night. This podcast may contain adult language, adult situations, and some movie spoilers. So listener discretion is advised. Ah, you know what old Jack Burton always says at a time like this? Cool? Jack Burton. Me. You're a bluebird. You're a brownie. You're a Girl Scout cookie. He doesn't know how to use the three seashells. <laughs> oh, I used to love doggy chow. I used to love doggy chow too. Want a date? Going out? Looking for some action? Need some company? This is a snakeskin jacket. For me, it's a symbol of my individuality and my belief in personal freedom. It's not important, okay? You're not important. Get used to it. Baby, you are gonna miss that plane. Welcome to the Cinema Recall Podcast. 
Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Recall Podcast. I am one of your hosts, The Vern. Ashley Urock is still on vacation out somewhere warm right now and I'm a little bit jealous of her being out in Mexico, but that's okay. She enjoys the trip, but I am joined right now with another person who is probably in better climate than I am, not quite sure yet. We have <laughs> Pete from the Middle Class Film Class Podcast. Hello, Pete. Hey, what's up, buddy? How are you? Are, are you warm right now? Um, I mean, it's cold for California, but that means like, you know, 55. Oh, damn. Oh, <laughs> oh that's hella yeah. good. I, mean, I have to ask if uh, me and my co-host come out to California to visit, would we yeah. be able to like, hang out with you guys? Come absolutely, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm just south of Sacramento. I'm in a town called Elk Grove, okay, which is probably the largest suburb of Sacramento, and we're like tw- I'd say not even tw- maybe 20 minutes south of there, you know, right on the, like the 99 corridor, and uh, we're out here. People don't realize just how hot and dry it gets. We're you know in California, you hear Bakersfield and. Um, uh, some of these like hell, uh, like Death Valley areas that get really really hot, which they do, but we're at I don't know over 110 degrees for you know a week or two at a time during the summer, and not an inch of snow. You'll never see snow out here. Maybe once every 10 years you'll hear on the, it'll make the news. You know? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's hot and dry out here, which is just how I like it. I'm like a lizard on a rock. <laughs> that is beautiful. That's some place I need to go to. What starts? Where are getting... you? I'm in Minnesota. Oh, boy. <laughs> we are in the polar vortex right now. It is now about, I would say, probably 10 degrees below zero. Oh, my God. Yes. You poor soul. I know. We, we have to basically, <laughs> uh, we get animals. We have to kill them right away because we need their skins for warmth. It's bad. <laughs> so sad. It's bad, I know. Uh, <laughs> that's why liquor prices are pretty cheap over here sometimes because it just yeah, needs to... Yeah. Keep, keep warm, nothing better to do. Stay warm as much as we can. Uh, but also be sure to check out the Middle Class Film Class podcast wherever yeah. you can find them. Uh, I fun. do know they're on Twitter at PodcastMCFC. Uh, you can find them on Apple and Podchaser, yeah. Stitcher, everywhere. Uh, yeah, the, the uh, if you really wanted to follow, follow us on on. For the show, follow me on my personal page. It's the the real underscore Pete with four E's, and um, <clears throat> um, or you can just go to the Cinema Recall page and look through your your mentions. Yep, I'm I sure will. You'll find me. Yeah. Yep, I'll and, post links everywhere there. Yeah, it's twice a week, Mondays and Wednesdays, and we're doing a new thing this season. We're on uh, year three and a half or so right now, and we started season three just now, and we started a Patreon at the beginning of the year, which is going great and it's nice. fun. And we're our bonus thing we're doing every week for the Patreon is a, a review of the Last of Us series every episode by episode. Oh, fun! Okay, Gosh, I such a great show. I'm excited to check that out. I'm in the middle of revisiting the game. The first one, or the second one. The first one. <clears throat> Have you played the second one? Not yet. Okay, so so the first one, the first this whole season one of this series is the first game. And they've confirmed okay. that season two will be the second game. Ooh, okay, so, cool. Yeah, so you're in a good, you're in a really good spot. And they take some uh, some small liberties with the way that the clickers operate and some of the med- like the mechanics of it. Uh, you know, okay. certain things that would wouldn't make sense with uh, Pedro Pascal covering his face with a, a mask. You know, for half of the, the show. Sure. So there's no spores, but there's other really cool things. But. Uh, but anyways, yeah, the podcast is a lot of fun. Check us out. Okay, well, very cool. Yeah, I'll post links to that as well. Uh, thank you for listening to that. Now, our movie that we're going to be talking about this week is Cosmopolis, directed by David Cronenberg. And I always, I always ask my guests this, uh, what is your relationship with David Cronenberg? I mean, what was the first movie you ever saw of his, and what was your favorite one he's done? I think, I think my first has to be The Fly. And that was his most like Hollywood esque type movie, most accessible movie. And I've had this romanticized vision of David Cronenberg in my head ever since because we're like, man, The Fly is such a it's such a fantastic, disgusting, but not uh, 
it, it doesn't you don't have to it doesn't keep you at arm's length you know you, you can really settle in with the characters the actors are known people and they're great on their own right and it devolves into this madness <laughs> that is so it, it's so fantastic it's right up my alley and then I got um, exposed to some more of his stuff like Dead Ringers and um, Existence, which oh, was a weird, weird one, and Video Drone and stuff much, much later. I didn't really get it. I didn't even see Scanners until just last year. So <clears throat> I like to think of myself as a big David Cronenberg fan. Um, Crimes of the Future from this year was a really antici highly anticipated movie of, of his. Um, so... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. We'll see how Cosmopolis holds up. Very much so. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I kind of am with you there too. The Fly was definitely the first one that I've seen. And it was weird watching that movie with like a family because oh, yeah. during the early days, folks, you may know this, but during the early days of movie watching, we didn't, we didn't have our own personal devices or TVs. Back when I was younger, we had to watch everything as a family because our family only had two TVs. Mm -hmm. There was a family TV and then like a kid's TV that me and my sister watched shows and movies on. But we went to the video store, we would just rent things for us to see. And my mom was like, oh, here's The Fly. I've heard good things about The Fly. It's, it's a, a sci-fi. Yeah, it's like a sci-fi monster movie. We should watch this as a family. And we did. Oh, wonderful. And yeah, it was very creepy. And uh, as a kid, you don't realize all the um, uh, sexual metaphors that are happening in The Fly when you first watch it. But. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> very, very very, uh, very, very insane movie. I, I have a, I work in a body shop for my day job. And um, people know that I'm like the movie guy. People are always asking me for recommendations and what, what I watched that week. And I have a little whiteboard that I fill out every week for the movie of the week for, the, for everyone in the shop. And I put the fly on there one time. And I usually don't preface it. I don't, I don't say anything about the movie. I just put the movie where you can stream it, what the IMDb score is, what the Rotten Tomatoes score. And then I put a tally board for good and bad for everybody to you know, chime in on it. And for the fly, I said, difficult watch. Yeah. <laughs> just because, just because I, want, I wanted to prep people that you don't go into this thinking, oh, this is a good monster movie. Yeah. Very much so. Uh, and for listeners out there, please check out our past episode with Cam Sullivan of the Jacked Up Reviews podcast, where me and him uh, talk about The Fly in great length. The extended version of that episode will be coming in a few weeks, but there's a quick little Patreon preview going on right now, so check that out. Um, all right, so before we... Now, I didn't ask you this. Uh, what, what was your favorite David Cronenberg movie? It's probably also The Fly. The Fly, okay. Um, yeah, okay. I like Dead Ringers quite a bit too, but I did. Um, I followed the Binge Movies Challenge last year, and there was a, a Cronenberg uh, ranking. It was like five of them, so I watched five movies of his that I hadn't seen before, and none of them were particularly great. They didn't, none of them had held up to um, The Fly. I think the one that I really want to see that, it, uh, I guess two that I really want to see that I haven't that are on my missed must-watch list is Eastern Promises and Crash. Okay. Um, so, oh. yeah, I haven't seen either one. Oh, my gosh. Yes, uh, definitely see Crash. Eastern Promises is great, too, but Crash is one that I would definitely love to get your opinion on. Uh, again, check out our past episode we did with Jim of Film Rage podcast on Crash uh, that uh -huh. just was released here. But, yeah, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts. I, I loved Titan, so yes, I, I, I was very vocal about my love for Titan, and well, uh, so when people when people heard that, they're like, "Oh, you gotta watch Crash then." Now, keep in mind that people don't have sets with cars in mm -hmm. Crash. Yes, yes, I and understand. Cars don't have sets with each other in Crash. Well, I'm out then. I, I'm, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I hate to I hate to disappoint you there, Pete, but you're not gonna see uh, car genitalia. Oh, okay, no tailpipe insertion. Uh, no tailpipe insertion. Uh, no oil being sprayed everywhere like a pop shot. <laughs> pop shot. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, I'm, 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 I know right now that there's somebody out there who's going to make like a car porn. Like people oh, wearing yeah. car uh, parts and everywhere and just start. 
You know, Rule 34 like, says that already exists. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. Uh, all right. Well, now that that's out of the way, I am going to take just a quick little break right now. Just playing some ad spots from some other great podcast shows. And we'll be back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Welcome to the podcast that wouldn't die. I'm your host, Kevin. With me, as always, is Aaron. What up, what up? Each week, we'll explore the classics of the horror and sci-fi genre with a little comedic twist. We will ask those important questions like, why don't they get out of the haunted house the first time they see the ghost or the demon? Why do people feel like, hey, there's been a spooky disappearance, but I'm going to investigate myself, even though I have no investigative background? Or, why didn't I realize I was dead the whole time? These important questions and many others we will get to the bottom of. So check us out each week at the podcast that wouldn't die. Be there or be square. Hey there, classmates. Tune in to Middle Class Film Class every Monday and Wednesday for weekly movie news, streaming picks, and one deep dive review. The Batman trailer... There was a teaser, there was a trailer, trailer one, trailer two, final trailer. I don't know if it's the same one. How many trailers do we need exactly? Leave an email or a voicemail to join in the discussion. Bullshit artist! Uh, <laughs> yeah, buddy! All That's right. awesome. You're going full Danzig. That's right, I am. My, my transgender has no power over me. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is a proud member of the Let's Chat Club. Find out how you can become a member by going to the website letschatpodcast.net. Our feature this week is David Cronenberg's Cosmopolis, starring Robert Pattinson and Juliet Binoche, uh, Paul Giamatti, Jay Bruchel. Am I saying that right? The guy isn't uh, he the guy Bar- from uh, How to Train Your Dragon? Yeah, Jay Baruchel. Jay Baruchel. Thank you very much. Um, and I don't know why I'm blanking on. Uh, Kevin Durand plays his uh, bodyguard, too. Kevin Durand, Samantha Morton. Yes, that's the other girl, Samantha Morton, and Sarah Gaydon. Although, honestly, when I first kind of saw Sarah Gaydon in this, I I don't know why, just the the way their hair was in the face, I was thinking that it was Mia Wyatowska. Oh, yeah. I like Mia. And she looks kind of a little bit like Mia Goth, in a way. I don't know why, like... She's a she's a hybrid of the two Mias. Yes, very very much so. But they just have this <laughs> same type of eyes, and Sarah Gaten seems to have that uh, element too. Um, all right, this is kind of a. I mean, it's not super difficult to maybe explain the basic mm-hmm. plot of Cosmopolis. Um, can you just tell listeners yeah. out there, Pete, just really quickly the basic premise of Cosmopolis? Sure. It's um, essentially it's set in a what we we assume is a near distant uh, dystopian uh, capitalist dystopian future. So and uh, the, you're following Robert Pattinson's character, who's a, a more or less a billionaire. He's some sort of like one of the most richest people in the world. People know him for his wealth, in essence. Um, his character's name is uh, Eric Packer. It, um, we think we kind of think he's like the son of a, a wealthy person too, right? Is he also related to Scrooge McDuck? Because that is the wealthiest person in existence. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and ever ever to have lived, <laughs> yes. swimming in gold. Well, he and and the the whole plot is that uh, Eric Packer is on one side of uh, Manhattan or New York City or some unnamed city, and he wants to take his armored one man uh, tank of a of a um, limousine, uh, Lincoln Town Continental limousine. And he wants to go across town to get a haircut. And nothing will dissuade him from it. Not riots, not protests, not armed thugs vandalizing and trying to break into his uh, his his uh, uh, limousine. Um, but he's just inching slowly across his entire city and having multiple conversations with people about business dealings and personal dealings along the way while his bodyguards are outside trying to fight off the throngs of people who would basically have him hung for just be- just for being rich. And uh, that's more or less what it boils down to. And there's also a threat on his life, a credible threat on his life throughout that pays off near the end. And during the course of this day, he's also losing money. Yes, like, he's 
betting against the yen or something like that. Which whatever that means. Yeah, I did all I all I saw when watching this movie, Pete, is I saw a guy who's traveling in this very fancy limo. People come into the limo to talk to him about money. Uh-huh. Beautiful women mm-hmm. fuck him in the car, mm-hmm. or he goes to the place to fuck him. Yeah. He has a girlfriend that won't have sex with him, mm-hmm. and then he gets to where he's going. He meets this guy. He has a haircut. He meets Paul Giamatti's character. Mm-hmm. And I guess Paul Giamatti's character is the one who's trying to kill him. Yeah. He's be- a would-be assassin. Because apparently um, Robert Pattinson's character made Paul Giamatti's character lose his job and lose a whole bunch of money. Yeah. Yeah, essentially. He's just mad about some bad business dealings or something and taking it out on the guy at the top. And I I guess from what I've seen in the movie is that Robert Pattinson's character it it doesn't is trying to destroy his own life, I guess. I mean he does you know sorry folks, we're gonna get into some spoilers. Oh yeah, this is all these are all spoilers at this point. But in if you if you've gotten past the fifteen minute mark in this movie, bless you. Yes. You 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 already know. If you watch the first fifteen minutes you, and you bailed, you don't care about the rest of the movie anyways. <laughs> and it's worth thing too because I've seen like other critics call this like a pseudo sequel to Crash. And the okay. only similarities I can see is just the way the characters talk. Oh, okay. I like, may not like Crash then because that was one of my least favorite parts of this. It was, but here's like, the here's no one the, talks like that, you know. That's the weird thing too. In Crash, it works. Okay, that's fair. But in this one, it doesn't. Um, I know they're like they're like aliens and or robots, you know, just talking to each other. I think they're, with, like, they're like speaking the subtext instead of just like letting it like breathe. I think with Crash, it works just because the characters are be, have become sort of like mechanical and monotonous, like their cars, uh-huh. and so I can love it for that. But for this one, unless they're trying to be a metaphor for money, I'm not quite sure. Uh, this was based on the book by Don DeCello. Who also wrote uh, the recent White Noise, that was on Netflix. Yeah, I didn't like that either. <laughs> that yes, <laughs> and that was my issue too because I was looking at the credits for this and I saw who you know this was an adaptation of a book and I saw who wrote the book. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that explains why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because I have a feeling that his books are probably better written on the page than adapted to screen because I'm sure when you read the book of this, you are going to be hearing um, all of uh, Robert Pattinson's characters inner thoughts mm-hmm. in that book. And you can't really adapt that too well to screen. So when Eric is talking about the stock market or he's talking about his own life or his like sexual frustrations with yeah. his girlfriend and things, you're able to, view that better in a book context than you would in a movie. If you're... The other thing, too, is, like, if you're... So Cronenberg adapted the screenplay from the novel himself. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that doesn't always work when you have the director of the movie adapting something to screen. Like, if if you don't have a, a competent writer who can, like, work on pacing correctly and eliminate things that aren't necessary but still keep the underlying messages just for the sake of pacing, then you get a movie that just, it goes from, like, jumps from thought to thought to thought with really no uh, no lingering between the two. And you don't you don't even get to let the audience, like, stop and think about anything that just happened or how that's relevant to the story or why this character was introduced and then immediately gone. Because there's probably nine of those characters. They come in, they say, uh, have a small conversation with um, Packer, and then they, and then they're gone, and they just give you essentially like exposition dump after exposition. Dump. Yes, and then and then you're done with the movie, and you're like, well, what do we learn from this? Uh, you know, <clears throat> um, so I find it sometimes it's it's a little bit of a red flag sometimes for me that if if the director is 
is the person who adapted something from uh you know an actual an original piece it, it's like it's just kind of concerning it can't it's not like it's always bad but uh, my antennas are up a little bit when that happens that's fair i mean uh Cronenberg did do a good adaptation of jg ballard's crash mm-hmm. when i saw that movie because it does it that movie also has a bunch of characters too but the way that Cronenberg frames the characters in Crash worked better just because when you meet characters in Crash, they're not just like, here we are, hi, and then goodbye. They kind of yeah. stay throughout the course of that movie, and that, that works out well. Uh, but for Cosmopolis, the only character you kind of see throughout this movie is Eric and occasionally Elise, uh, Sarah Gaten's character. Yeah. Those are the only two that you kind of see prominently throughout the movie because they do have several scenes together, uh, and and the bodyguard played by uh, Kevin Durant. Uh, yeah. Those are the I only like him th- a lot. Yeah, those are like the only three characters that you kind of see in that feature. Um, the scene with Jay Baruchel, uh, and I'm pretty sure that character is probably a bigger part in the book. Uh, sure. Same thing with uh, Julie Pinoche's character as well. She's probably a bigger part of that book, but in the movie, like you said before, they're just like just a one-off. And done. That's it. There. Uh, I, I have a feeling too that in the book. And please, listeners, if we are right or wrong, this let us know. I think Paul Giamatti has a much bigger role in the book. Like you're. It did seem a little bit wasted in this. Yeah. But yeah. Well, the other thing too that I think is is a redeeming quality about how the characters uh, all speak is. The, there's a subtext or I guess an underlying message about the uh, Packer, about the main character, that he has everything, but it's not good enough. And he's essentially self-destructing, um, which is, I, I love that uh, that theme in movies. You know, the person who has it all and, and, and basically just, he shoots himself in the hand just to feel something at the end of the movie. And when he actually does that, you hear the first true emotion in his voice when he's screaming from the from the gunshot wound. And you're like, yeah, you idiot. What do you think was going to happen? But in a, in a, for a person that has literally everything he could ever want, can like snap his fingers and have someone like 10 different beautiful women come to, you know, pleasure him and ha- can, has all the money in the world to, he, he like bought a jet just to have it. And he keeps it in a, a warehouse in Arizona and just, and he says he flies down there sometimes just to look at it just because it's his. And it's like, that's that's a different fundamental like wiring of a brain than yeah. you and I have, you know. So <laughs> we, we experience things that are not comfortable sometimes, and you get the full gamut of emotions. But if you're always on the high, like if you if you live in San Diego, every once in a while you're like, you know what, I want to go to the, I want to go to the snow. Yeah. <laughs> I see? See, see what a blizzard's like. <laughs> and then once you're there, you're like, okay, I'm ready to go back. Guys, I I just can't imagine having that much power and that much money no. that I could just, you know what? Uh, I want to go see a movie, but I want to go see it in Bangladesh. I'm going to fly all the way to sure. Bangladesh just to watch <laughs> a movie and have it be a short, have it be like a 10 minute short mm-hmm. and then fly we'll back. Gra- yeah. Yeah. We'll grab a, whatever Bangladesh's national dish is. We'll grab some of that and then have a, have a quick lunch, and then fly back home. Yeah. But like a really quick lunch, like I like got coffee yeah, and like, <laughs> Basically, yeah, like, maybe like a chip or something. That's it. And then fly back. Just have that type of money. Very weird. Uh, but there are one other great thing. There is like probably one great thing I do like about this movie, and that is mm-hmm. the score. Because mm-hmm. it's Howard Shore returning again, as he does all corner movies. But I love the fact that the songs are by Metric. Mm-hmm. Do you know the I band Metric? That. No, I, yeah, I do know the band Metric. I didn't realize that. Yeah, they, they did all the songs... Looking feature. back at it, that makes that makes sense, but I don't, I didn't, it didn't stick out to me. I think uh, I was more, uh, uh, di- uh, like disarmed by just how strange the movie was and the cadence of everything was that I, uh, I, uh, I didn't, I didn't notice a lot of that stuff because usually I, I really appreciate a good story, but that didn't stick out to me. And I, um, I guess I would like this movie a little bit more if they would have had done sort of explanation saying that this is the world of the future. Mm-hmm. And tell me a little bit about Eric Packer. Because we know nothing about his job, really. Mm-hmm. The movie begins after the credit sequence 
we see him in his limo getting in. You know what it kind of reminds me of too? Have you seen that movie uh, Holy Motors? Yeah, yeah. It, there was I was kind of expecting something weird to happen with the uh, limos at the end. Like yeah, in Holy Motors, because he asked, he keeps asking, "Where do they go at night? Where do they sleep? Where exactly. Do limousines go. Everyone's got a limousine. Where do they go? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Garage, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I just have something to happen with that. Uh, and for and I know that there's like this uh, protests going on with, um, the rats. with the rats and everything. Uh, you know what this movie kind of reminded me of too a little bit just the whole uh the whole, with all the protests going on mm. and everything going on outside it kind of reminded me of strange days mm-hmm. Which, yeah i can see that yeah i can see that just sure. that it, it would kind of be like another side story happening um especially you know with the limo driver and you know angela bassett's character and that one is a limo driver as well mm-hmm. and just it, it, for me, it feels it feels like it was sort of set in the same universe in a way, like another story that. going on in that environment, in different different corner of the universe. Yeah, because I, I always thought that, and I I got certain elements confused because I did watch both this and Strange Days around mm-hmm. the same time, and I'm thinking, wait, was there a protest about a rap star that got murdered? In Cosmopolis, or is that Strange Days, or was that both? And that was a, a not a protest, but a, like a funeral about it. There, yeah, there was. Yeah, yeah, it was in this one, and he it was a uh, because he 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 runs into his one of his pals, uh, who's also like a rapper or maybe like in the rap scene or something like that, and he's telling him that one of their other like mutual friends had just died, and he, they're telling all, all talking all about it. Um, what what did, what, what what was his? His name, I can't remember his name. It was something funky, but then it shows him on the back of like a Chevy Avalanche in like a, basically like an open casket, and they're slowly like driving through the street, like a like a parade, but it's a funeral, like almost like a Louisiana funeral, you know. Um, well, the character's name is called uh, Gauchy Boy. I think that is no, that's the actor's name. Actor. That's the actor's yeah. name, Gauchy Boy mm-hmm. Cosmo Thomas. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh. It is. It's very strange, and it's it's funny because Strange Days I always thought was set in the same universe as Giant Mnemonic. And, yes, and I thought this is about as far from that as you could get because you don't see any weird tech. Maybe a little bit of, like the touchscreen, like hand controls in his weird chair, his one person like backseat that he has, but you don't see any like the the kind of Cronenberg standards with the really weird off the wall technology technological like set pieces. And you don't. You don't get a whole lot of that in it, so I, I, I could have guessed that this was. I would have guessed this was directed by someone else. Hundred um, percent. Well, I, I, do you remember the trailers for this movie when it got released? Because I actually did see this in theaters when it came out. Oh wow! No, I don't. I don't remember this at all. This was what year was this? Uh, twelve. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have. Um, I don't watch a whole lot of trailers like in general, kind of as a rule. But I haven't had uh, like television at my house for since like two thousand seven. So, it's I, I naturally don't have to watch them too much unless I see it in a theater. Well, this is the really weird thing too because uh, this was made after he's done uh, Eastern Promises and A History of Violence, uh, two corner book movies that were removed from his usual body horror stuff that yeah. he's done or yeah. weird disturbing sci-fi. Uh, I believe like Eastern Promises. And history of violence, and yeah, in some cases, the fly are his most mainstream ones. But the both the history of violence and Eastern Promises are ones that do not feel like David Cronenberg at all. Mm-hmm. He's not doing his usually weird body horror sci-fi elements. And then when I saw trailers for Cosmopolis, the trailers of it make it feel like it's a return to his body horror stuff that's going on. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I, I wouldn't have expected that at all because you're like, where could they fit that in besides like the little bits of rat, you know, that you see? Yeah. So it was that uh, there was uh, the lady going to like shoot him in the stomach and the way they shot it in the trailer it made it feel like it's going to be a Videodrome situation ah, of stuff I going see. into his stomach and just the way it's I sh- I'll, I'll post a link to the trailer uh-huh. and the show notes as well so people can see how people who watch it feel like, oh, this is going to be a turn to David Cronenberg doing his body horror, 
it's going to be, it, it kind of felt like a combination of like Crash and Videodrome, which I thought it was going to be like. And then when I went and saw the movie, it was completely different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like a good character unraveling, but it seems like he was already unraveled from the beginning, just barely holding on by a thread, you know? And you get to the end and he gets pied in the face or creamed. <laughs> creamed or whatever by the <laughs> pastry guy whatever which is like that's a real type of person there's a there's people out there that do that you know they try to basically make a fool out of a politician or a, a whatever you know in front of the camera so people can see them looking like an idiot supposedly brings you know a, a attention to their cause and i i appreciated that i thought that was funny and then he goes into like a, a five minute soliloquy about how what type of you know, what type of person he is. Oh, he's a performance artist, and I've pied the greats. I'd pie Mussolini if I could. And, yes. and then and his bodyguard is just kind of like holding him around towards the camera like, uh, okay, finish your thing so we can get you out of here. <laughs> yeah. And also, I, I didn't really quite understand. Like, he, him and his bodyguard seem to have this respect and mm. almost kind of a friendship in a way. Mm. And then he, he kills him. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, at the end, which I, I that just perks came out of nowhere for me, and I had to go it's back. A, I had to go back and try to rewind a little bit. Like, was there something going on? Did I miss some sort of piece of dialogue? I think where, it's just it's just commenting on the fact that uh, maybe his life is more important than anyone else's, and he he doesn't really value much in life, including other people's lives, including the people closest to him. Like when his uh, fiance or girlfriend or whatever, just tells him that they're essentially over. It, it kind of felt like um, an American Psycho sort of situation, but the shoe's on the other foot. Oh. And, he, and she's not, she doesn't necessarily mean anything to him, but having her as a status symbol means something to him. And he's he's upset just because of that, not because of the actual relationship being gone. That's That's kind of what I took from that, away from that at least. And when he kills his bodyguard, it could mean two things. It could mean just that he's wants to see something die. He wants to kill something right in front of him. Could be that, but it doesn't really lean towards that. Or it could be that he wants to disarm himself fully, where he's it's just him and a gun against the world because he's in this roughneck neighborhood and he's definitely safe because he has a bodyguard. But take that out of the equation, and now what's he got? You know, just him against this killer who's getting ready to you know, do his job. Maybe he wants to die. Maybe that's the message. You know, I, I'm glad you brought up American Psycho because right now I'm just picturing this movie and how much more exciting and fun it would be to have Patrick Bateman <laughs> in that limo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just talking to uh, Amer- different people and, oh. American Psycho is like one of my all-time top movies. I love it. I have oh, it's... like four different ver- disc, physical media versions of it because it's, it's such a great weird dark comedy it is so good uh, I, i'm sure you listen, have you listened to both commentary tracks <clears throat> no i don't really i don't really listen to commentary tracks i they're, should i probably should they're, they're actually pretty insightful the way that uh both uh because there's two separate ones uh mary heron and quarterfield turner and the one about mary heron is a little bit more exciting because she gives information about how the book came to screen and mm. the difficulties she's had trying to do the movie they also talk about um the so-called uh, how people interpret the ending is sure very fun sure. as well and Jennifer Turner's commentary it's okay but it's mostly just her watching the movie and giving comments I wish they were both who's who's the second one the uh, director uh Mary Heron's the director and Jennifer yeah. Turner is the co-screenwriter Jennifer Turner okay got it I didn't know that name yep she uh, she uh did the movies like Go Fish. Uh, she was in a few Kevin Smith movies like Dogma and Jason Amy. Um, yeah. I, I find it great that these two ladies, because they're trying to get, oh my God, I feel like I'm, I don't want to change it to the American Sacral show, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, great to that movie out as well. Um, in fact, I've never done an episode on American Sacral, and I may have you come back for that if you don't mind. So. I would love to <laughs> okay. talk about that for hours. All right, cool. All right, but we'll, we'll put that in the back burner right now. All right, because <laughs> I could go into American Psycho. Because yeah, all right. 
Cosmopolis, I feel like I should read this book of Cosmopolis, but I don't really want to just because both Dom DeSello's works that got ad ad adapted to screen was this and White Noise. And while I enjoyed elements of White Noise, I did not enjoy the whole movie. And that's yeah. how I feel about Cosmopolis. Certain elements are fine. I'm surprised. This would be like, this would be like my third time watching it. Mm-hmm. That's insane. It is. I. I'm. I'm a. You watched it three times. I'm. A, I'm. A, I'm a masochist. Is that the word you yeah. like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I. I think I because I want to know what I'm missing about this movie because I do like all of other David Cronenberg films. It's like with the movie Crash. I wasn't a Crash the first time I watched it, but I watched it another time and I liked it a little bit more. This one with Cosmopolis, I liked it less and less. Mm, interesting. That's a that's a shame. It's a shame when that happens with the movie, especially one that's already starts on a pretty bad foot. <laughs> it, it, it does, and I, I just wish the movie just had more interesting characters. Now, I believe this is the movie that Robert Pattinson did right after Twilight. Mm. Interesting, because he wanted to try to break out of that mold of him mm -hmm. doing those movies. And mm -hmm. I swear, I'll find it on YouTube. But there are like this little compilation of him doing press junkets mm -hmm. for the last Twilight movie, and every one of them is like, oh, don't you feel bad that you're doing the last Twilight movie? And he's like, nope, not at all. <laughs> That's funny. And he's just like, building that. And I know that he wanted to make this movie because you get a chance to work with David Cronenberg. Mm -hmm. You're going to take it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't care how like obscure the script was. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to read it. Just put me in. Put me in, coach. And, you know, Pattinson, on the topic of Twilight, Pattinson, he, that just brought him to people's attention. Mm -hmm. um, you know, unfortunately, people like him or uh, Daniel Radcliffe, when, you, when you're typecast into that very specific role, and people are always going to know Radcliffe as Harry Potter, and they're always going to know Robert Pattinson as Twilight, or will they? Because I don't even think about Twilight anymore when I no. think about Pattinson. Because you think about movies like Good Times. Yeah, Good Time or The Lighthouse mm, yep. or the, the Rover. Um, I haven't seen The so, Rover. Mm, ooh, it's great. It's Guy Pearce. Um, it's really? Australian. It's Australian, like, also, like, near future sort of a desolate landscape. Not quite to the Mad Max level yet, but getting there. And um, he's um, he's kind of a – he plays, like, a slow character, kind of like a, his brother in Good Time. And, and he's um, – falls in he's got a family of ne'er-do-wells and he's like the young one that may or may not actually be a bad guy yet and he's helping kind of helping guy pierce find something and the whole point of the movie is what he's trying to find you don't you don't okay. find out to the very end so i won't say it oh shit but okay it's well, a great acting performance by pattinson yeah and pierce i like pierce a lot so and you, but, we're... but with 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 uh radcliffe he, he had to do all these weird stuff too he did guns akimbo he did horns yes he did like that like he did a bunch of like Broadway stuff where he's basically naked on stage for hell long, and it's like just so that people will just shut the fuck up about Harry Potter for once, you know, and recognize that he's a he's a talented actor and Pattinson's already accomplished that. See, I, I think I, Radcliffe is almost there. I think Radcliffe will get that from the recent Weird Al biopic. Oh yeah, that was so good, <laughs> so fun, so what pretty, a fun movie. I'm hoping that people when they think about Dana Radcliffe. They'll think of him in the movie Weird, the Ali David story, very much so. Uh, yeah, uh, and then, you know, because uh, I've never seen any of the uh, Twilight movies. I know I'm a horrible movie person. Uh, <laughs> but with this one and, you know, um, uh, Good Time and The Lighthouse, Robert Pattinson has become his own person, like you just said there. And I have a feeling, too, when watching this movie that he's really trying to kind of do a copy of Patrick Bateman in American Psycho a little bit, just a little, a little bit. bit. A little bit. That, and I got a little, uh, little glimpse in little nuances of Michael Douglas's Gordon Gecko in Wall Street. Mm, yeah. Just I, slightly I there. I can see inspirations of that. Um, I just want to know more from this character. I, I know he's having frustrations with his fiance, girlfriend. I want to see more of her character in this. I want to see more 
from Sarah Dayton's performance in this. Like, it's more from that story of that character. We don't get much background. That's my issue. There's not enough background on any of these other side characters. Yeah. They're just yeah. there to give exposition dialogue mm-hmm. and leave the character on its way. There's a lot left to be desired in this movie, and I probably can't recommend anybody to it unless you're like a Cronenberg completionist um, or you're a Robert, Robert Pattinson stan. And I've heard pe- some people will say, oh, yeah, he's really well acted by Pattinson. And I'm like, for what? For a, for a non-human? You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, one, no one talks like that. No one, no one speaks like that. They speak like they're like... The, what the um, inner monologue, your inner dialogue to yourself is being spoken out loud almost half the time. It's, I don't know, it's just, none of it really worked for me that well. Um, it wasn't it wasn't bad to look at, though. I thought it was well shot. Um, right. And, and I think I think the, the soundtrack and the score wasn't distracting to me, so that's a good thing. Um, if, I, if I were to ever rewatch it again, I'll pay more attention to that. Um, I like watching him... Um, feel nothing in that like dance club and feel nothing essentially when he's like having sex with all these different women and just looking at him like wow what a miserable life this guy's got <laughs> i will i will take this i will take that life then i will yeah sure <laughs> be more than happy to go to get a haircut even when i don't need a haircut i will gladly go across country <laughs> fucking julie Benoist and another beautiful woman there uh, yeah, this movie actually has, like, this, like, and I don't try to follow any, like, critical ratings, but it's got 66% on Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. and, uh, 5 out of 10 on IMDb, yeah, 3.7 audience ratings, so it's got very low audience scores, and yeah. from all the reviews I have seen this movie, most of the general consensus is of what you just said, that, yeah, it, it does look great, and I'm sure that there's like this great message about the economy and about the one percent and all that, um, yeah. and the protests that were happening along that side. But none of that is expressed in the movie that I saw. Sure, yeah, it, it's asking the audience to fill in a lot of gaps. And I, I like movies that are ambiguous. I do, but you gotta give me something. To enjoy that ambiguity. Yeah, a, a little bit of something to hang your hat on instead of capitalism bad. Okay, yeah, great. Good yeah, message. Yeah, yes, we know that. <laughs> Give us more than that, all right? Hey, you know what's bad? I heard that rape and murder are bad. Man, that's a bold take. You, I you know, right? On, on mic? I, I'm seeing this right now in the microphone right there, that sexual assault is bad, all right? I know. <laughs> I, uh... I joke about that sometimes, you know, at, uh, I'm, I'm all for like awareness for, you know, different things, you know, different causes they mm-hmm. do on the NFL. They do the, you know, breast cancer awareness and they're all yeah. wearing pink and stuff. And, uh, you know, we, at my work, we wear pinks in certain, certain days of the, at a week, you know, for, and it's a, in support of breast cancer. And it's like, it's great. It's awesome. But it's also kind of funny. Cause it's like, I know, I know this is a bold stance. I don't like breast cancer. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it right now. I don't care who knows it. This means I don't like it. <laughs> That's like, bold. Yeah, okay, uh, good, awesome. <laughs> Making it known there in the world there. Uh, yeah, so being a rich asshole who doesn't care about other people is also bad. Sure. But at the same time, too, <laughs> he's, he's a guy that you know, has rich life. Uh, it almost feels like if, they, if we had like a Jordan Belfort yeah. in this, who's... Rich guy, you know, from The Wolf of Wall Street. For people mm-hmm. that don't know The Wolf of Wall Street, which they should, because yeah. that movie is a lot of fun. I have a character who kind of feels like he's a Jordan Belfort with no soul. Yeah. A guy that yeah. doesn't enjoy his money. I, I want to have, like, a more in, in, engaging character. Yeah, it's at least if they're going to be a bad guy who's rich as hell. At least let us watch him enjoy it and then fall from grace. Yeah. But but then again, I mean, there's other movies for that. Maybe this is, just isn't that movie. That you know? movie right there. And I'm pretty sure that David Krimpert was really trying to adapt the tone of the book. And like we said before, it, I'm sure in the book we're going to have a lot more inner dialogue and mm. inner uh, motivation with the characters than we're going to get with a movie because a book can show us that stuff that a movie can't so yeah 
I, I will say but that this was my third and last time watching this movie. <laughs> if Criterion and Arrow release like a 4K Blu-ray with commentary from David Cronenberg, no, I'm still not watching the movie again. <laughs> yeah, well, good. I you have you have uh, morals. I I stand. I I appreciate that. I applaud that. Well, thank you, good sir. Uh, <laughs> I will listen to the soundtrack because the soundtrack does have some good songs from Metric. Uh, mm. There, that last song that played during the credits. Yeah, I do like that song from Metric, and that's probably the only positive thing I will say about this movie is the end credits. <laughs> But you know what? If you want to see a, a much better movie that ha- also has metric and the uh, soundtrack and, and score, uh, watch Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Oh, 100%. Oh, I was so happy that they did release the soundtrack uh, with vocals from B- Brie Larson. Oh, cool. That's nice. They did release her version of that song, that uh, Black Sheep song, which I mm-hmm. I have a hard time choosing. I love Emily Haynes' vocals very much. She's the originator of that song, but I love Brie Larson what she did with the cover. Nice, nice. I, I, yeah, I was. It's it's always cool to see uh, you know non musical talent performing and doing stuff, and then they they put it in. That's one of the things that I uh, speaking of weird the Al Yankovic story. Uh, weird Al did say he regretted not having Radcliffe actually do the singing. Oh, that would have been great. Yeah, I I would have been on board with it. I was kind of a little bit bummed when they did a, a dubbing on that. Yeah. Ah, uh, well, say love you. Well, now hopefully because that movie did pretty good for Roku, they could remake it with bigger money. But sure, you know, yeah. Now then it'll go up. To, I don't know if they should though. I don't know. They don't have a six star rating yet. That's true. Okay, <laughs> really? That's weird. All right. I, uh, yeah, that was my review of uh, RRR. Was uh, the 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 acting was pretty terrible from all the white people involved, so I had to lower my rating from six stars to five. Ouch! Love love that movie. That's five, great. RRR is so damn good. Oh yeah, listeners out there, yes, please watch RRR and don't watch Cosmopolis. <laughs> yes, there we go. That's the tagline right that, there. That that's our tagline for this movie. RRR is an amazing fun movie, and watch <laughs> that. Okay. <laughs> Seriously, listen to this episode, but then go watch RRR. Uh, but yeah, let's let's get into our ratings of this movie. I'm going to start, if you don't mind. I'm giving this one yeah. one star, and that's one just for star. the last song. One star. Um, That's tough. Um, I didn't even think about a rating for it. I'm going to say that this is a... Uh, this is probably a two-star movie for me. Okay. And, and mainly because um, I reserve one and a half and below ratings for um, movies that you physically have a hard time even looking at or hearing. <laughs> like oh, the technical really? aspects bring it up at least a couple up a star for me. Okay. So I reserve like the one stars for like the ultra low budget Return to Blood, Blood Fart Lake and things of that nature. You Wait, know, where, Return to where Blood Farts Lake? Yeah, that's the sequel to Blood Fart Lake. Is there, uh, okay, <laughs> I want to see this now. It's, it's on Amazon Prime. It's it's Blood. It's my, this, this is a real thing. Blood Fart Lake and Return to Blood Fart. Why the hell are we not talking about these classic movies? Repeats. <laughs> no, sorry. There. Yeah, it's one of these. It's a Return to Blood Fart Lake, uh, 2012. It's got a 3.6 IMDb rating, and I. I don't know if it's still on Prime, but it was one of those ones you're scrolling through Prime and like, man, I'll put anything on this goddamn service. <laughs> yes, but, uh, it's true. But yeah, two two stars for me. It's okay. still got some style to it from D- David Cronenberg is undeniable. The cinematography is good. The sounds uh, decent, and uh, it's it builds a world, a world that doesn't it doesn't explain, but it definitely builds a world. So sure, uh, just for that it gets two. Okay, I I, I do like we said there. Still not gonna have me watch the movie again. <laughs> but I can yeah, still no. respect that. I I do respect the hell out of David Cronenberg trying to take unadaptable material because he did it with Naked Lunch. He did it with Crash. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he read the book of uh, Cosmopolis by Dom DeCello and said, you know what? Everyone said I can adapt both Crash and Naked Lunch. I proved them wrong. <laughs> I'm going to now adapt this book into a movie. And it got lower ratings than both uh 
crash and ate the lunch. And now after the recent white noise feature, um, even though I do love the Bombark features, uh, white noise was kind of a mess. Um, although I do love that in dance sequence at the end of the movie, but there you go. Oh, it was great. Yeah, the sequence, uh, credits were awesome. The, the credits right there. So anytime I hear that Dom Ticello has a book being adapted into a movie, I would go to the movies just to watch the end credits because they'll be a lot of fun and it'll be like my favorite part of the whole feature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. It probably will. You know? uh, but Pete, I do want to say thank you so much for coming on to the show. I promise you we will have you back on yeah, to talk about great. a movie that both of us actually really enjoy. Um, I know that this will be coming out in a couple of weeks. Uh, do you have any sort of like, uh, what's, what's coming up on the uh, Middle Class Film Class podcast that you want to share? Well, so the way that we pick our movies that we watch, on, on Mondays it's a, a weekly news and review. So we do um, news stories of that week or discussion topics or we'll, I'll, I'll have like segments. I'll have trivia prepared for the guys. Or we'll have listeners come on or actors or directors from upcoming movies call in. We've had Michael St. Michaels who played the, the Greasy Strangler. We've had um, James Colin Bresick, who was the director of Hot Seat that just came out this last year and a couple other, bunch of other movies. Um, we have multiple people who will call in for various reasons. So the first um, episode of the week on Mondays is just that. And then we give a streaming picks recommendations. Well, the second episode of the week on Wednesdays, we do a, a, a deep dive review chosen at random from our Wheel of Destiny. And so we don't know what's going to be in two, in two weeks because it's random. But I have six options. I have uh, Boyhood, Doctor Sleep, Gerald's Game, Boogie Nights, Kubo and the Two Strings, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is a fan pick, Before Sunset, and Dragon Ball Super Broly, which is also a fan pick. So of those movies, we'll be covering one of them in two weeks. Oh, geez. Those are all good ones. Uh, Boogie Nights is fun. Once Upon a Time in in Hollywood would also be a good one to revisit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but please uh, visit the links on our website. I'll post links to the No Class Film Class podcast. Please subscribe to them everywhere. I do enjoy listening to uh, your Dab and Chatter show. That I just, yeah, it's just great. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah, great, it's a lot great of fun, stuff. and we we deal a lot with the listeners. So if you if you are you know listen and you're like, oh, that sounds like a movie that I've heard of before. You know, I wonder if they've ever heard of this. And you send us an email, we're gonna read it on air. Okay. You, know, you want you want you want to give a recommendation? We have a, two lists right now for fan picks. We have the Patreon fan, fan picks, which get a full episode dedicated to them, and then we have the normal fan picks, which are um, we're, this year we're doing a bonus episode once a month that is three fan picks at a time, and all three of us hosts, me, Joseph, and Tyler, will watch one, and we'll talk. We'll do a dedicated episode just for that, but it's split between three movies, so. You can get your movie reviewed by us. That and that one is not a Patreon. You can everybody gets to hear that one too. Um, so a lot of ways to interact with the show, and it's recorded live like a radio show. So it's like sound effects added in live. Oh, nice sound segments live. All that stuff is like it's 100. We don't edit. We just up- upload it. I'll, cu- I'll edit out some coughs, or if someone rings the doorbell and the dogs go crazy, I'll edit that out. Other than that, everything goes in. Perfect. Well, hell yeah, I love that. Uh, Thank you, as always, for being on the show. Uh, As for Cinema Recall, I know that me and my co-host Ashley were having a meeting about what sort of new themes we want to do for our late season. We're continuing our look back at David Cornerbrook films. Going to put on a few more guests to talk about other Cornerbrook features and then we'll probably highlight a different director or actor later on. Uh, this episode is available earlier if you're part of our Patreon crew, patreon.com slash cinemarecallpod. And this is the moment of the show where I give a quick shout out to all of our wonderful Patreon supporters. And we thank you all very much for supporting us. So no special order. I gotta thank Jeanette Mickenham from AKA Jeanette. Thank you very much, Jeanette. I gotta thank Chris Revel of Let's Chat with Chris Revel. Thank you very much, Chris. I gotta thank Donnie Roberts, who wrote the book, The Deep Sea Anthologies, formerly of Cage's Kiss. Thank you, Donnie. I gotta thank Linda Castro from Bed Knobs and Broomflits. Thank you very much, Linda. Uh, Mr. Jason Soto, 
uh, from Rabbit Hole Podcast and Whatever with Jason Soto. Thank you very much. I got to thank Matt and Ashley from Mashley at the Movies. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for being a supporter of us. Uh, Harvey Andrus from mine and Ashley's band, Your Ex-Girlfriend. Thank you very much, Harvey. And lastly, I got to thank Lydia, Jen, and Naomi of Shot and Applaud Podcast. Thank you very much for being a supporter of us as well. Uh, thank you everyone out there who does listen to these episodes and plays what we do. We really appreciate that very much. Uh, CinemaRecall.net is the name there of the website. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we will be back soon, all right? Take care, everybody. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com.